Okay, good day everyone. Uh, welcome to Pushing Rabbit Podcast number 20. Um, no guitar intro today and the uh, reason why is because uh, uncharacteristically for me last night I had a pretty big night and I'm feeling it a little bit. Uh, and today this morning um, and I, I got the guitar and it's, it's a pity because I just got one of my old guitars uh, all refretted and polished up beautifully and it sounds amazing and I was going to play a nice song and I, I had a few shots and I was, nah, this ain't going to work today. Uh, so no guitar intro uh, on this particular episode. Um, and this particular episode is devoted to uh, my new book, Run Guts, Pull Cones. Um, uh, you'll notice that it's a couple of days late. I normally put these out on Wednesday, Australian time, and it's Friday. Uh, and the reason for that is because getting the book out was a couple of days late um, for various reasons. I hoped to have it out on Wednesday, and it didn't happen. Um, but it's up right now. In fact, it's up as of about half an hour, uh, which is great. Um, so what I want to do on this episode of the podcast is talk about the new book, why you should buy it, obviously, uh, and read it, um, what it's about, uh, and um, why I'm happy with it. So, uh, Run Guts, Pull Cones, I've got a advanced proof copy here in my grotty little hands. There we go. Uh, it's 200 and, um, oh, yeah, 273 pages long. Um and um, the description of the book uh, goes as this. Returning home broke after six years of adventure abroad, Adam Pickett finds himself cast adrift. His friends aren't interested in his stories of witch doctors and white water, and he's working a dead-end job just to make ends meet. Until a chance encounter at a restaurant and a frank talk from a good friend force him to the realisation that being a man isn't about having one unique experience and coming home. It's about living for adventure and growing as a man. Hijinks and mayhem ensue as the gentleman adventure sets off for new horizons and a new challenge, forging bonds of brotherhood on the rivers of the Italian Alps. Uh, so there you go, Run Guts, Paul Cones, and the subtitle is A Rafting Adventure in the Italian Alps. So uh, the, the first thing I want to talk about is that this is a standalone book. You don't have to have read my first book to be able to read this in any way, shape or form. There are a couple of um, uh, points in the book where I s briefly mention I did, you know, I rafted in Uganda or I worked with this guy, um, but they are explained within the context of the new book. So you, you don't have to have read the first one to go out and get this. Um, where is my first book? Um, First of all, the differences between them. The first book took place all over the world in various places. Uh, Australia, Canada, Africa, Italy. Um, this, this new book is um, set in a uh, four or five month period in the Italian Alps. And it doesn't move uh, from that location. Part, the beginning of the book happens in Australia. Um, and what I've done with this book is I've explored um, what 
a, a, an intense five-month rafting season uh, is like from the inside. Uh, it's a it's quite a, a unique work environment. Though there's plenty of unique work environments around the world. But what's interesting about this book is the the grip dynamics uh, and what happens between the river guides, uh, the girls they're seeing, uh, and the rafting owner operators and and how conflicts um, arise and are resolved or are not resolved because there are some areas of this book that aren't tied up in neat little packages because it is a true account of what happened in one of the rafting seasons over there. <coughs> Excuse me. So the group dynamics are a really big thing. Um, and because the guides all live together in a couple of guide houses, along with other employees such as um, uh, the girl who changes the customers, um, some of the drivers of the buses and vans and that sort of thing. Um, so they have to they have to live together and they have to learn how to get on with different nationalities. We've got Australians, we've got New Zealanders, we've got Italians, of course, we've got Argentinians, we've got Costa Ricans uh, in the book. And how do those different cultures all get on with each other in a very stressful environment? Um, and then, of course, with the backdrop of Italy and the Italian culture and the Italian Alps um, as a setting for what goes on uh, in the book. Um, if you're listening to this and you, you're still living at home, maybe you're very young or you know, you're still at school or at university, everyone should move out and at some point in their early lives and live with other people. Uh, it's a real, having a share house is a real, really important step because you learn how to get on with other people. Uh, or not how to get on with other people, as the case may be. Um, and we've got a, I've got a good example of that in the book because um, Italians are well known for being mummy's boys and staying at home till they're forty years of age. Um, so what you know, one of the one of the guides in the book is rather young Italian who who doesn't know how to get on with other people, and that comes out on with his interactions with us and what happens. And it's, it's there are some very amusing uh, circumstances that, that go on. Um, because it all happens in one place, we've got a lot more detail in this book, and I really explore the characters a lot more. The, the first book was really centred on me and my journey and trying to change who I was and become a man, whereas this book now is more centred on the other characters um, as well as myself and my interactions with them and, and, and their interactions with one another. So there's a lot more, there's a lot greater depth and detail. I don't tell you what the characters are like. I, I let them reveal themselves through what they say and do. Uh, and I think that's, that's an important aspect to writing. Um, so you can all make up your own minds uh, about who you like or you don't like. I've, I've been surprised already. Uh, only four people have read the book. My editor, my two proofreaders, and my wife finished it last night. And everyone's had different, um, who I've spoken to about who they like, have had different favourite characters which is good. So there are things that appeal to different people, uh, which, I, which I really like a lot. Um, you notice you, when I read the description, it said, uh, um, force into the realisation that being a man isn't about having one unique experience and coming home. 
It's about living for adventure and growing as a man. Uh, one of my proofreaders, Joe, uh, a month or so ago, said something to me, or wrote something to me that was um, very um, apt. He, he wrote to me that uh, women go and find themselves. Your classic, classic eat, pray, love rubbish. Men don't find themselves um, unless they're some horrible gamma individual. Uh, men have to make themselves. And the thing about that is it's a, it's a continual process. You don't just go out and do some stuff, make yourself and that's it, right. Come home and everyone, <coughs> everyone thinks you're a hero or whatever. You have to continually make yourself. It's an ongoing process and it'll keep happening until the day you die. Uh, and that's, I think that's crucially, something that's crucially important for men to understand and in the beginning of the book, I come home from my adventures overseas and I come back to Perth where it all started all those years ago. And I'm expecting all of my friends and family to fall over themselves in wonderment at all of my amazing adventures. And quite the opposite happens. Uh, they're, they're not interested at all. Um, and a friend, good friend of mine coined a phrase that I've used he, he described he, he describes this as re-entry he said that the, the hardest part about leaving is coming home and, you know you, you, you re-enter a world that's the same as it was when you left the people are the same as they were when you left they've been doing the same things that they were doing when you were there before you've changed you've moved on you've broadened your horizons and broadened your experiences they haven't and so they find it hard to relate to you in the sense that it's quite confronting for them that someone has gone out, done all this stuff, and they didn't. Not all people, of course, but quite a number of them. And so they don't really want to hear your stories, and their eyes tend to glaze over in disbelief. And if you're coming back under the impression that you're the all-conquering you know, man, and look what I've done, and blah, 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 blah. It, it comes as a bit of a rude shock. Um, it comes as a rude, rude shock also that you think you've come home and now you're a, a man, but you're still dependent on the good opinions and pats on the backs from the people around you for your own intrinsic self-worth. So what does that mean? Maybe you're not as much of a man as you thought you were or thought you are. So that's a really that's a really important part of the book um, this realization that being a man is about a continual process of making yourself of proving yourself of doing things on a daily basis and being independent of what everyone else thinks of you um, you have to be secure in your own skin and secure in your own self. Um, and that's, that's the theme that runs through this book. And it's not, I'm not smashing you over the head with it, um, but I write about masculinity and, and this is an important, an important part of what, what this book is about. 
The other really important part of the book is male-female dynamics. Um, we've all heard the stories of, you know, maybe there's a bunch of friends, there's five or six mates who go on camping trips and they go on regular camping trips and they've done it for a few years and it's just the guys and they always have a great time. And then one particular camping trip, one of the guys brings along his girlfriend and invariably it stuffs the, the group dynamics because girls and, and the girl will come along and go is this all that you do you know you talk this up so much you know all you're doing is sitting around a campfire you know carrying on like idiots this isn't this isn't cool at all and then the guys will get defensive and maybe they'll start and it'll it'll ruin the dynamic and it'll start to break apart and for those of you who are a bit older you've you have undoubtedly in your lives experienced this um, probably many times over. And we have a dynamic in the book um, with one of the rafting guides and his girlfriend and it causes some similar type of issues Um, and this runs through uh, a lot of the book and so this is another theme in the book is is how you deal with these how who do you put first and and what results can you expect um, if you take certain types of action so i'm not going to tell you what happens but this these tensions are there Uh, and this this really happened i have changed names so that so that people won't be embarrassed and but this is this is quite an important part of the book um i think another part i I spoke to one of the main characters in the book uh one of my italian friends uh we had a conversation um about it like sorry he's the other person so i've had five people read the book he's read the book as well um, and he's the main character in the book. His name's Nono, and which is Italian for grandfather because he always takes so long to make up his mind about things. So it's a nickname. And the I've changed the years somewhat around a little bit to fit it in with to make to make the narrative work better. But the actual rafting season that this took place in was in two thousand and two, up in the Italian Alps. And he and I were talking on Skype a, a few weeks ago, and we were reminiscing about. And he was he was saying to me that he couldn't he couldn't believe that I'd remembered all these little details. And in actual fact, the reason I was I've been able to remember it in such detail was at the end of that season, uh, I wrote the first draft for this book. I actually wrote down everything that happened in a narrative form with conversations and everything when it was all fresh in my mind. And I probably wrote about seventy or eighty thousand words, and then I, I put it away and forgot about it because it wasn't the shape that it was in wasn't wasn't good enough to be published. So I went back to it uh, earlier this year, rediscovered it, uh, went back to it, and and rewrote it completely leaving a lot of the guts and, and obviously the, the stories and the situations that, that happen in this. So that, so, the, so this is what, 14 years ago that this happened. 
And when I was reading it, I was originally I was being reminded of things that I'd completely forgotten about. And I was just, wow, I can't. That's right. That's right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That situation. So I was speaking to Nana, and we were talking about all the memories that this brought up, and we both agreed that that was actually one of the best rafting seasons that either of us have ever had. And Nana's still rafting. He's still rafting up there in, in the same river. Uh, but everyone now has moved on and they've got wives and kids and responsibilities and all that sort of thing and everyone lives in their own houses and we don't have all the rafting guides pushed into the one house together and having to get on with each other or not get on with each other as the case may be and and he 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 agreed with me that that was the 2002 period from 2000 to 2003 2004 these were the best rafting years for us uh, up in Italy. And he said it's not the same anymore. Uh, and even the young guides coming up now aren't doing it the way we did it. And I, I think it was just a perfect, perfect uh, convoluence of events um, that made this magical time that really, 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 really worked for us. And I said to Nono, I said... I don't know if I could go back in time and do it again whether I'd want to appreciate it more. Did, did we appreciate what, enough what we had at the time when we were living through that time? And he disagreed. He said that he definitely appreciated it. Um, and what you do is, I mean, we were... I was early 30s, you know, around the same age. You will in your life, in your 20s and 30s, when you're still single and you're doing you're doing interesting things you will formulate you will have the the years that will shape you and who you are and they are the fun years now it's, it doesn't it doesn't mean that I don't have fun anymore and I enjoy my life immensely now but it's still not the same in, in certain ways. And every person who's older can look back at a certain point in their life and go, yeah, that's, those, those were the really magical times. Those were the magical years. So my point is, for you young'uns out there, when you find yourself in unique events, in unique circumstances... And it, look, it could just be in the city where you are, but you're sharing a place with friends and you're doing certain things. You will hopefully have your magical time. And the point is to enjoy it. Recognise and enjoy it, what's going on. But also, have a good enough time that you can move on from that and that you don't spend the rest of your life wishing for that magical time again. I know plenty of ex-rafting guides who are not satisfied with their, their lives post-rafting because rafting made their personalities. As a rafting guide, they had a certain status. Uh, they had a certain um, position that they enjoyed. And instead of using that to develop their personality they use that to be their personality, that their personality completely depended on that. So in a way, 
they were stultified. They weren't growing at all while they were enjoying that period. And the result of that post-drafting, you know, that they're married and working as whatever and wherever, is that I can, I can sense it. I, I hear it in their voices when I speak to them. And I've spoke, I reconnected with a few guides that I'd lost contact with when I wrote the first book because it got around the traps and a lot of people, a lot of people bought it who'd, who'd known me and worked with me at the time. And I spoke with a few of them. And not all of them that I spoke with um, suffered from what I'm talking about now, but a few of them I could just tell in their voices that that they hadn't moved on because they haven't developed their personalities when they were when they were guides as much as they should have. And I think it's a common I think it's a common trap. I suppose you could look at, and I'm not comparing river guides to you know, rock stars or anything like that. But if you take like a, a major musician who has their moments, and maybe the moment is three or four years long, and then the band breaks up and they don't perform in front of thousands of people anymore, and yeah, the albums are still out there, but you see musicians who, or ex-musicians who move on from that, and that was the period of their lives. And then they do more things and they get on with their lives and, and they use that period of their life to broaden themselves, and you see, you see ones that don't move on at all, and 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 they're and they're bitter. And I see that with the rafting guides. So this this book captures that that perfect season when we were all having a lot of fun, and the book is a lot of fun. There's some really funny moments, and you know when you've read when you've written a good book when you go back and reread it and you find yourself laughing out loud literally and and I've done that a few times over the last few days um, there just are some really really funny moments in here um, and I actually was listening to my wife read it and she was chuckling chuckling all the time um, there are some there are some it was a really funny season and it was a really uh, glorious season um, everyone was all the guides were around the same age we're all, we're all from our early 20s to mid 30s most of the guides were single um, we did a lot of drugs I have to warn you there's a lot of drug use in this book much more than the first book um, we partied a lot the valley we were working in, Valley Sole, uh, and I haven't changed the name. It's uh, in the first book I kind of made. I didn't mention the name of the Canadian town where I rafted, or the, or the I mentioned no company names. And this one I do because I just there's there's no way I can hide it. Too many people know know that I've lived there. It's 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 out it's out on the internet in so many places. It's just it's just no point in changing the name. Um, but I have changed the name of the rafting operators. Um, and at that time in Valdez Solo, there were a, there was you know this this late night bar, disco pub, as they call it there, called the Red Rock, um, Sasso Rosso in Italian. And the Red Rock is overlooking the town of Damaro, 
up in the uh, in the in the valley. There's a, a very unique. It looks actually the rock looks like the head of a circumcised penis. To be honest with you, um, but it's uh, it's red uh, because of the of the rock color and it glows in the when the when the, when the sun sets it catches the top of this rock. It's high mountain. I mean, it's, we're talking it's a mountain. It's a huge. I've, I've been up and climbed it and it's absolutely enormous. Um, and it towers over Damaro and and the the bar is called the Red Rock. The bar is actually at the base of it. And that, that, that bar's closed now. It closed in 2006, I think it was. And, and the bar had terrible music. Um, and it was basically a shithole, but we loved it. And it was always full. I mean, packed. Horse, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people trying to get your way from the entrance, um, the cavernous entrance through to the bar. Sometimes would take you fifteen. Would have taken fifteen or twenty minutes. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, so there was that. There were. There were just enough. Uh, rafting companies, in the valley to make it interesting, but not too many that it just got stupid. Um, it was just a perfect. Combination of events. Um, the rafting owners in the book are interesting. Um, uh, I have had a couple of people say to me that the, the rafting owners are their favourite characters. Um, I suppose the rafting owners are the traditional baddies, in inverted commas, but um, if I'd been in their shoes, I, sure I would have done a lot of things differently to them, but some of the things that happen in, in the book and the way that they react to the circumstances... I can't say I wouldn't have done anything differently if I was in their shoes. They were forced by certain events to take certain lines, which you'll discover when you read the book. Um, there's a main character called Matt, who's a, who's a New Zealander, a Kiwi, as we call him, rafting guide. And he and I go on a lot of adventures together. Um, and having these different nationalities uh, really, really, really does make it quite a... Uh, quite an interesting read my wife finished it in about three hours which normally she uh, she can only read two or three chapters of a book and then she's done um, but she got through this very very quickly uh, and she said to me that and it was the same thing with my first book for her and uh, I'm really happy about that because the, the, the quicker you're able to read something as far as I'm concerned the better it's written. Um, and I, yes, yes, humble brag, Adam, but um, if it takes you a long time to read something, it's because it's not flowing correctly. It's because there's too much in there. There's stuff in there that the author should have cut out. And my philosophy when I write books, to quote the great Elmore Leonard, is to cut out the boring bits that people skip. So there's no, there's no fluff in here. Um, lots of dialogue. Lots of com conversations, um, and uh, lots of nice descriptions of Italy as well, and what the Italian culture is like, and also how we adapted to it. I mean, I rafted in Africa and I rafted in Canada and Australia, and you would have thought that maybe going and rafting in a place like Uganda, uh, you would have had to change a lot of ways that you approached rafting, but actually we didn't change that much at all. But Italy, Italy was a totally different thing. The Italians just do it their way. 
And we, as Anglo-Saxon guys coming in, we succeeded in changing some things, but other things, not only did we not change, but we adapted their ways. Um, not because their ways were better. In fact, a lot of times their ways were inferior. But when in Rome, as the cliche goes, do what the Romans do. And that's what we did. Um, so I go in a, lot, in a lot of detail about that as well. So I'm really happy with this book. Uh, I've put a huge amount of work into it this year. It's taken me about seven months to get it down. Um, mind you, the first book took me seven years. So this is a vast improvement uh, on that time. I think it's stronger than the first book I've done. Um, I really like the first book I've done, but I think this is a better book. Uh, and that's, that's really satisfying for me because it's kind of like a band's second album. You know, a band puts out their first album and they follow it up and we all know what second albums are like. But um, this, one's, this, one's, this one's an improvement, I really think. Um, it's longer as well. But uh, I'm more satisfied with this book. Um, and it's not as heavy. I think the first book... Um, well, the first book was about... I've had a few people say to me the first book, you know, that they really felt sorry for me, especially in the first half or so. Um, because I was really, really struggling back then in in the time of that book with who I was as a as a as a man, uh, and I was trying to become a man. So in the first book, I followed a girl across Australia, and I struggled, and I failed, and I wanted to become a rafting guide, and I struggled, and I failed, and I failed, and I went to Canada, and I struggled, and I failed, and I went to Uganda, and I, it was just like every time having to reinvent yourself. Try not to make the same mistakes again, to learn from before, but now make new mistakes over and over again. And it's still, I still love the first book, but this one, this one isn't like that. This one, do I make mistakes? Um, nothing as grave as in the first book. This book's more about enjoying um, achieving a certain... Uh, stability as a man I think so if I had gone straight to Italy when I became a rafting guide let's say it would have been seven years previously to this uh, I wouldn't have done as well as I did in real life I needed the other experiences to be able to perform the way I did in this particular rafting season so what you're seeing in this book or what you're reading is um, culmination of a lot of a lot of previous uh, events and experiences that left their mark that enabled me then to react as I did and behave the way I did because we are the sum of uh, our, our experiences so I really hope you get the book um, I'm I'm really happy with it uh, I, I think it's um, I'm absolutely stoked to have two books out. Um, I think I can. I think you can definitely start calling yourself a writer if you've got two books out. So, so uh, hope you get it. Um, it's available now on Amazon 
Um, I think it's going to be a couple of weeks before it'll be available to order through bookshops. Um, so just give it a give it a week or so if you intend to uh, order it through your local bookstore. Uh, it's available in paperback uh, and Kindle. Um, if you if you buy it, um, please leave a review um, and please tell your friends about it. And if you like it a lot and you didn't read my first book, you can get that one too. But there we go. Run Guts, Pull Cones by Adam Piggott. A rafting adventure in the Italian Alps. Um, out now. Go and grab it. Leave a review. Leave a comment on this. Tell me what you thought. And um, yeah, now I have to get start working on the next one. <laughs> Which... <coughs> which I have mapped out, more or less. Um, But I'll talk about that more at a later point. Um, So there we go. Run guts, pull cones. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your ex-wives. Tell everyone. And um, thanks for listening, kiddies, and I'll... Oh, shout-outs. Can't forget the shout-outs. Aaron Cleary, Captain Capitalism. Um, He's got a new book out too, Reconnaissance Man. Um, Which I think more follows what I was kind of doing in my first book. So you can can check out his books at his website, captaincapitalism.com. He has a podcast as well and a YouTube channel and a consulting business called Arsehole Consulting where... You can send him a question about your miserable life and he'll give you a straight-up arsehole answer. The truth hurts most of the time. So check out Cappy's site. Um, And I'll see you all next week and I'll be back on Wednesday, I promise. Ciao, ciao.